the coronavirus pandemic may cause in an increase in a crime you may not suspect right now. And the FBI wants to make sure you are taking precautions. The concerned sexual predators online know the majority of kids are home and many are focused on digital devices. Now with a parenting alert about those online games, one family discovering that scammers used Fortnite to trick their teenager into revealing personal login information. This is C-Suite. The podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Every episode, we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security, reduce the likelihood of attacks, and improve our digital confidence. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. Every year, the number of kids online increases. But with over 1.5 billion young people impacted by school closures due to COVID-19, there are more kids online today than ever before. And unfortunately, cybercriminals are taking notice. As kids become more tech-savvy, threat actors are finding new avenues to make contact. At the same time, it's harder for parents to pinpoint what exactly their kids are doing online. In this episode, we're asking the two most important questions parents need to know. What are the greatest risks to kids online and how do we mitigate them? In a time where everything is digital, the stakes have never been higher. So... What exactly are kids doing online? To find out, we went right to the experts, kids themselves. We asked a focus group of kids aged 11 to 17 how they were spending their time online. I like playing video games and I sometimes watch YouTube and Netflix. For Instagram, I don't really post a lot, so I usually just go on the feed but sometimes I do post. And then for TikTok, I just usually um, post stuff, but mostly I'm just on my For You page. And then for Snapchat, I just message friends. I think it's changed a lot with COVID, but it's around eight to 10 hours, I would say. So currently my two go-tos would have to be Snapchat and TikTok. Snapchat's kind of become a way to communicate with friends rather than like iMessage and other platforms. And as for TikTok, it definitely like, especially for like a lot of members of Gen Z, it's been huge during this quarantine, simply because it's just new, fresh content. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is nice. Mostly for news stuff I'm interested in, like sports or what I'm watching, shows and stuff. Next, we ask them how trusting they are of people or information they see online. Like, sometimes I'd have to do a little more research into that. And so, like, if I see, like, multiple people saying that one thing, then I guess that I'd believe it. So for me, I think a big place where a lot of, like, awareness has been coming is Instagram. A lot of people are trying to raise awareness on different problems that are going on around in the world. And sometimes we see outrageous headlines and we think, is this really true? So for me, like, if they 
put a source that's actually reputable and if I look it up, it's actually there, then I'll believe it. But if it looks like a little bit too much and there's no real sources to back it up, then I wouldn't. I'd always look at the account first. Like if I'm if I'm seeing some sort of news from somewhere, then I just look at like the account and like what they posted and like depending on how much followers they have, you could also tell if it's real or fake and stuff like that. This generation of kids grew up with the internet. They're more savvy than the generations before them. But that doesn't mean they aren't susceptible to online threats. I chatted with my colleague and former FBI agent, Corey, to help us understand the biggest risks that kids online face today. From my perspective, and again, this is you know from 23 years in the FBI's, I would say the top three to me, as I mentioned before, is online predation, exploitation. The other issue that, that I have uh, had to deal with and my teams have had to deal with has been online radicalization, both from an uh, international terrorism standpoint, and now in you know, a variety of, of groups that are looking to recruit kids. Again, that access piece is uh, growing more and more to the forefront. And then the third aspect is fraud. Kids can impulsively click on things when you get that you know, PS5 for $100, you know, click here, give us your personal information and we'll send it to you. Let's dive into the first risks Corey mentioned, exploitation and radicalization. Canada has seen a 30% increase in extremist groups online since 2015. Since kids and teens are still in the process of developing their values and beliefs, they tend to be the target demographic for recruitment. We asked Corey to walk us through these risks in more detail. I have to say that it is a problem that is just continuing to grow with the development of more apps and more ability to reach out to kids. And it's just, it's an ongoing challenge. There's the grooming activity and trying to get familiar with the kids, building rapport, liking some of the kids' posts, things like that, and develop the relationship, which ultimately leads to them for to asking for something. It could be a photo, it could be to, to meet, and that danger is, is ongoing. We had hundreds of these cases where predators would troll internet groups, social media, start liking a post that a child puts up there, and then try to engage in conversation. Fortunately, what happens is it, it spirals. It can start from that relationship. If that's not enough, you know, they may try to meet in physical space, and then it tends to have this downward spiral. You know, the unfortunate reality with the internet, too, between predators is that there tends to be almost like a support group amongst themselves where they rationalize this behavior. It's a constant battle that the Bureau and state and local and tribal authorities have to face. When I was a supervisor for the FBI, I led a Crimes Against Children task force down there, and I posed as a 13-year-old girl. And within 20 minutes, I had somebody sending me inappropriate pictures. I had 20 detectives behind me during the course of that time, so it had the outcome that the offender probably didn't expect it to have. But that goes on all the time. Law enforcement agencies like the FBI are dedicated to preventing online predators. But with countless social media apps popping up available to kids, the opportunities for grooming and exploitation are growing. We asked our focus group of young kids if they had ever befriended a stranger online. While they were aware of the risks, several of them admitted to chatting with someone they hadn't met 
or simply being unaware online. Me and a few of my friends, we played games with this two guys. We met up with them because we played games with them for like years. I feel like we knew them online for so long, it wasn't even like that weird. Like it was just kind of normal. It was like any other friend almost. I do have like a couple of friends that have done that. For me personally, no, I haven't. But for other friends, yeah, they have. I guess that they're like not really like concerned as much as they in a way need to be. But I think they just talk to people just randomly sometimes. So they just want someone to talk to if they're bored. So before, like I would say maybe when I was in middle school, I kind of trusted the internet a bit too much. I mean, I would hear like older people saying what you put out there is going to be there forever. But like I never really took that into account because we're deleting it. Like where could it possibly go? But as time kind of went on, I kind of started to realize that that's not the case. It actually can be there and you do have to be like vigilant of what you're going to be posting. So now I don't think I feel that safe on the internet. Like I have to be very careful with what I post and I've actually limited a lot of what I post. But back then I definitely wasn't that aware and I should have been more aware. Clearly, kids are meeting people and connecting online. So what are the social media apps themselves doing to keep children safe? I sat down with Matt McGowan, Director and General Manager of Snap Inc. Canada to learn how Snapchat feels about privacy and protecting its young users. In a world where social media specifically has almost rewarded larger networks and more and more individuals are accepting connections with those they don't know based on a a rather simple profile that could be filled out by a stranger or a bot or who knows. We hear about this all the time. People connect online. They don't really know who they're connected to. And I must say, it's concerning as a father of two young children. It's something I am always you know, aware of and trying to focus on. It's very hard on many of these platforms. We offer all sorts of educational materials and literature for our, you know, Snapchatters to uplevel their understanding of privacy and security. Evan and Bobby, when they built Snapchat, built Snapchat around two core principles. One is being the fastest way to communicate. And the other one is privacy by design. So as we continue to build out the app and the platform, we are very much focused on privacy first Let's explore one of the other common risks for kids online that Corey identified. Fraud. Online fraud happens to kids in a very similar way to adults. Sneaky pop-ups and misleading URLs can persuade young people to take action. Even one click could give criminals access to their accounts and devices. In 2017 alone, more than one million children fell for an identity theft or fraud attack. Two-thirds of them were seven years old or younger. So, kids are exposed to online fraud attempts more often than we think. We asked the kids in our focus group if they've ever noticed a scam online. Here's what they said. Um, yeah, my dad has seen a couple that I've seen and I can obviously see that they're scams and not 
real stuff. Your credit card has been like canceled or hacked, but you're like, or like something to ask for your credit card information. It was actually like a pop up because like me and a friend were doing like some type of project and it was something like some type of jackpot or something that if you click on the link, then you could win something. Well, I honestly just closed the browser that I was using and there's, I went on a different website. So I think that scams are pretty like evident everywhere. Um, one main thing that I always notice is I always get like random phone calls saying that like I've committed like bank fraud and stuff, but like I'm a minor. So obviously I know that's not true. So those type of things are very frequent and you can tell like it's obvious that it's not true. And then of course, like website, like pop-ups that will be saying like, oh, there's a virus and, you know, small things like that, but they become quite obvious. So you can kind of tell like which ones to believe and which ones not to believe. But the way that some of them may be constructed, you can think like, oh, wait, is this actually real? So sometimes you do kind of get like scared or you're like kind of doubting yourself. But for the most part, like I'm pretty confident I can identify what's fake and what's not. All of the children we spoke with in our focus groups had experienced a scam online. And even though today's youth is more savvy online than previous generations, threat actors are getting more sophisticated every day. Some of these kids found the scams to be obvious, but more intricate threats could easily inspire a younger child to click. This is why Corey identifies fraud as one of the greatest risks to kids online. In a digital world, it's inevitable that our children will go online. So what can we do as a society to better protect them from these risks? We asked Matt for his perspective on what needs to be done in the school system and beyond to keep kids safe online. I think cybersecurity should probably be taught in school, like physical security and all the other forms of all the other topics that are covered, mostly because every aspect of one's life these days is in some way entwined with technology. I believe that more education is necessary, specifically with young kids who are taught to share and taught to kind of support each other. One of the things I've noticed is I notice a lot of people sharing login credentials. And then when they do eventually get locked out of that platform that they've shared their login credentials on, they're looking to the platform to solve their problem. If there's one rather impactful area, it would just be around what you can share and what you can't share online, what you should share and what you should not share, so as to better you know, ensure security across all your digital devices. This is a topic that, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about. And because of that, things can go really wrong. Corey echoed Matt's opinions on education. Here's what he had to say. More education, the better. I don't think we can ever do enough. You know, I, I know from my time in the FBI, you know, we would prioritize our cases. So we felt that an offender had access to kids like they were in a position of trust and confidence with children, that would go to the top of the list because they're the most dangerous. But the more we can do to help kids and parents protect themselves, the better off we're going to be as a society. Um, it's incredibly important. Let's chat about the last piece of the puzzle. Parents. 
What can parents do at home to help educate their kids about online safety? And what tools can they use to protect their kids from online predators and fraud? We asked Corey to outline his top tips for prevention and education. One of the resources online that people can go to, if you go to the FBI webpage, fbi.gov, I think it's sos.fbi.gov, which is safeonlinesurfing.fbi.gov, understanding privacy, you know, not using your real name, not using personally identifying information. Don't click on everything. Have that relationship with a trusted adult that you can ask a question. Not feel you're going to be punished if you come forward with something that makes you uncomfortable. Basic internet safety rules, very important. Different kids learn differently at different stages, but starting young and getting them to understand things about cyberbullying and privacy and internet safety are very, very important. Education is arguably the most important piece when mitigating risks for our children. But with the popularity of social media and gaming apps, shouldn't security also be built in? We asked Matt to explain Snapchat's security features and how they're putting privacy first. Privacy is at the center of everything we do. And we recommend and offer tools and features to help Snapchatters use strong passwords, opt in to privacy settings like who can contact them, who can view their content that they post publicly. On that note, posting publicly is an opt-in feature on Snapchat, not an opt-out feature. So all posts are you know, organically only published to those who you are connected with, unless you have opted in to share them more widely. We also, you know, features like who can see my location, who can see and add me as a friend are also all opt-in experiences for our Snapchatters. So who's regulating the protection of users online? So I think this is like a public-private partnership. It needs to be mandated and led by the, the government, in my, I believe, better rules and frameworks for companies to operate in that are up-to-date and current. That said, I do also believe that companies need to take responsibility for their actions. So education is huge. Ensuring that users, you know, you're opted out of a lot of data sharing and other potential privacy issues from the start. But I think in general, like we just need to, I think companies need to focus more on it and need to ensure that they're not putting the bottom line profit ahead of, you know, user safety and security. Kids online can be an uncomfortable topic, but a necessary one for people of all ages to talk about. Here are three key takeaways from our conversation with Corey, Matt, and the incredible kids in our focus group. First, education is key. Both Corey and Matt feel that cyber safety should be a part of the regular curriculum, just like health education. Until then, they suggest that parents stay educated on internet safety and relay this information to their kids. Matt also recommends that kids educate themselves through helpful resources that apps like Snapchat already provide. Second, 
pay close attention to what your kids are doing online. Ask them questions and monitor their activity regularly. Provide them with safety techniques like opting out of public posting, not using their real names, or turning off built-in location tracking. The more aware you are, the more aware your kids will be. And third, kids are becoming more and more aware of online safety. But unfortunately, this doesn't mean they aren't vulnerable to cyber attacks. The kids in our focus group admitted to some of the online behavior that can make them susceptible to exploitation or fraud. That's why it's so important to have these conversations in our communities, in our schools, and around our dinner tables. I want to give a huge thank you to our expert guests, Corey and Matt, and our awesome group of kids for joining me today. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you liked what you heard, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Claudette McGowan. Tune in for our next episode on April 1st. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected. <laughs>